This weekend, I get the privilege of getting to introduce to you Pastor Alex Seeley. Uh, she is a beautiful soul whom I love so much. She and her husband, Henry, pastor The Belonging Co. in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, she is just an example to me. She is an, an inspiration to me, an example that I want to follow as a mom, as a, as a leader, as a woman, as a daughter of the King. And so she just wrote this beautiful book called TaylorMade. <laughs> Discover the secret to who God created you to be. And I'm in the middle of this book right now, and I, God is doing some things in my heart that I'm so thankful that she um, took the time and the energy and the effort and the agony of writing this book so that we could benefit from what God has taught her. And so I wanna encourage you to get your copy, to get four copies to, for your friends uh, to give away, uh, because this is gonna help you immensely and change your life. So Pastor Alex Seeley, I wanna invite you up here. Thank you so much for joining us. Fresh Life! Woo! What an honour it is to be here with you. So great. You can take your seats across all the beautiful campuses. I mean, what an honour it is to be with you, you guys. Your reputation precedes you. I am in love with your pastors, Pastor Levi and Jenny. They are the real deal. You have a gift from God. And like Jenny said, you know, we met and we just fell in love. Like it was like that kindred spirit. And in fact, I, I think I fell in love with this family when I read uh, Through the Eyes of a Lion. So I was just, I was a mess when I got to meet Pastor Levi in New York City a couple of years ago. Um, it was like a real joy and honor and, and he just exceeded uh, even what I thought about this family. And so just thank you. Thank you for having me in your house. Thank you from all across the campuses. It's just an honor to be with you all. I am so excited to share with you just some of the content, a little bit of the content today about Taylor Made. But I really believe right now that... Um, this message is so needed in our generation. I believe our generation is having an identity crisis, amen. Uh, we don't know who we are. We're not, we don't know why we're here. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't know, you know, anything. And, and I just so believe it's an assignment uh, from hell. Am I allowed to say that here in Montana and all the places? Um, because the enemy does not want us living up to our potential. So can we pray before... I share the word. So Father God, I thank you for your word. Your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And God, it judges the attitudes of our heart. So God, today I pray that this word exposes the lie of the enemy and it reveals the truth of who you say we are. And I believe that God, every person that sits in these churches, God, that's watching online, that they will have a radical transformation inside so that they can live out exactly who they're called to be according to your purposes and plans in Jesus' name. Well, there is a saying that you've probably heard a million times, but uh, sticks and stones 
may break my bones, but words will never break me. Uh, I don't think there is any truth in that statement uh, because words do break. Uh, there's a reason uh, why words break, break, break us and um, because, you know, in Proverbs 18.21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. They'll eat of the fruit whether it's good or bad. And so there is death and life in the power of the tongue. And so the reason is that is because God is the author of words. He is the one that spoke everything into being. He is the one that spoke light and spoke everything into existence. And the enemy, he doesn't know how to create. He only knows how to imitate and he only knows how to pervert. So if the word of God goes out in saying who you are, don't you think the enemy can only lie? That's why he's called the father of lies. It's why he can only pervert the truth. He'll twist the truth. And he did it in the garden even though we were created to have dominion and authority over our world. In Genesis 1, 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So basically, God is saying, I've created you in my image, and now you have dominion and authority over everything. This is his words. He didn't say exactly, now I want you to do X, Y, and Z, because he gave us his image. We were made in his likeness, which means we get to co-create with him. We get to co-build with him. When he asked Adam to go name the animals, Adam didn't have to check it with God. God takes pleasure when we create, God takes pleasure when we have an idea because that is us revealing the glory of God and outworking the image in which we were created. But the enemy does not like this. The enemy, in fact, hates it. And do you realize the reason why? Because before Satan was Satan, he was Lucifer and he resided in heaven. And if you like, he was like the grand worship leader of heaven. And he uh, was built with beauty and splendor and all of heaven resounded worship to God. But he got a little bit proud and a little bit conceited and he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God, in fact. And we can't do that because God is God, right? And no one can usurp his authority. So he was cast out of heaven and a third of the angels went with him. And now we have Satan, ruler and dominion, well, floating, not ruler yet, but floating across the earth with his demonic powers. And then can you imagine Satan at that moment when God, Holy Spirit and Jesus decide they want to make mankind in his image? Can you imagine Satan listening in on this conversation? He's like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. 
You're saying that I couldn't be like God. I couldn't be above God. You threw me out of heaven and now I no longer reside there. I've been cast out into darkness. I once was the bearer of light. Now I'm in full darkness and you've decided to create mankind in your image to be image bearers. Can you imagine how angry he got at this moment? He's like, oh no, no one is taking my position, the position that I wanted. So is there any wonder he went straight for the first man and first women to try and corrupt the entire story because he actually knows what it's like to reside in heaven. He understands God's authority and power. He understands what it means to be a son and daughter of the King of Kings. So he understood he was finished. He understood that when God speaks a word, it cannot return void. So when he said you will have rulership and dominion over everything on this earth, that meant Satan. So he went straight to the garden and he spun a lie. Because again, the enemy cannot speak truth. He can only twist or pervert truth. And so he goes into the garden. We know the story. They buy, they buy into the lie and they eat of that apple and they disobey God. And then he throws a label on them. He straight away, because isn't it amazing that when they sinned, they realized they were naked and they hid from God. And when God walked in that garden and said, where are you? He knew where they were, but he was wanting to see what, what was happening. And they said, we are naked and afraid. So we hid and what did God say? He said, who told you you were naked? You see, right there, there was a label put on them that they had sinned and fallen short and now we're to be afraid of God. Yet God wasn't coming to destroy and punish them. The very thing that he did was cover them in his kindness and he killed an animal and covered their nakedness and all the while had a plan before mankind was even created that Jesus would stand as the substitute so that we would be rulers and have dominion over sin and death. See, the enemy knows this and the enemy has a plan and it's a one size fits all plan. It's to still kill and destroy. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care what country you grew up in. He doesn't care about your socioeconomic background. He doesn't care about the color of your skin. He doesn't even care what religion you are. He just wants to steal your identity, kill your self-worth and destroy your purpose. It's all he wants to do. It's one size fits all. And if you have a heartbeat right now, he's after you. He does not want you to succeed because he understands the power and authority that resides. And so when you're little, from the moment we're born, there are labels floating out into the atmosphere. Do you realize that our words form our world? So words have power. And whatever is declared in the atmosphere has nowhere except just to go into the stratosphere. So those words you can't ever take back. You can't ever erase. So words are very, very powerful and labels are very, very powerful. And you, from being an infant, have had many labels put on you by well-meaning people. You know, you get told you're the cute one. 
You're the black sheep or you're the the naughty one or the class clown or the whatever. And all these labels come on you because the enemy knows that words heal or hinder. And he understands that if he can get the substitute word, the counterfeit word over truly who you are, he will corrupt the story and everything falls from that. When I was a little girl, I was raised in a family and I'm number four and my parents are Italian and they're amazing people, but uh, they had fractures and frailties like most families. And um, when we were growing up, uh, my mother had actually had two nervous breakdowns uh, by the time I was in second grade. And so she was a very fractured person, loved her family, loved the Lord, but how many know that you can be saved and not free? (laughs) How many know that you can love Jesus but have a lot of emotional baggage? And so my mother loved her family, but we were sitting around the table one particular day and we all wanted to know, you know, how you came to be. Who's the favourite? Who's the cutest? Who's this? Who's that? And, um, and it came to my story. And my mum was an incredible storyteller. You know, she would have you mesmerised for hours. And so we couldn't wait. And I'm last, of course. So I'm thinking, this is the best one for last. They're always, you know, I'm the baby. And this just comes out of her mouth. Oh, <laughs> oh, you were the mistake. You were the, you were the accident that was never meant to be here. And we all laughed and we all jeered, but something in my spirit just went, oh, that hurt. And I didn't know what to do with it because I was only five. And it got repeated over and over my life. And the enemy is very, very clever because what he'll do is he'll attach himself to seed and he'll water it and he'll nurture it. And he'll take care of it. And when other things come at it, he then couples that with that little seed. And that seed grows into a tree and it becomes our core belief system. And so coupled with the physical abuse, the verbal abuse, my mum wasn't a bad person, guys. She loved us with all her heart, but she had fractures. There was dysfunction in our family. But coupled with that, what did it do? It reinforced brick by brick the very essence of I'm not supposed to be here, I'm unworthy and I'm a reject. The enemy came in just so beautifully. See, the enemy will never come as something like, you know, evil with horns and ugly. He always comes as something familiar. Otherwise, if we saw him for who he really was, we'd be like, get away from us, Satan. But when he comes through the voice of our mother or through the voice of our father, even though they didn't mean to hurt us, it couples that we make agreements. And when we make agreements with the lie, that's when we give the enemy power. You see, truth is truth. God's word is truth. But you see, the enemy is defeated, but we give him power. We think the enemy is so much greater. We think he's really massive. We think he's just so great. Actually, no, he's defeated. But the power comes when we make an agreement. And the power comes when we go, yes, that is who I am. And so it reinforces who we are. So I don't know what label has come over you. Perhaps you're in your different cities and different campuses and and you're sitting there and all of you probably have different stories. We all have a story. We've all been told maybe by a teacher or a, a leader or a spouse or a sibling or a friend. We've been told something and we've actually lived up to that name. But that's actually not who you are. That was never who God intended you to be, whether it was well meaning or not. 
We need to find out who God says we are. Some of us parents, we sometimes live vicariously through our children, so we tell them what they should be. You're going to be this because I never got that opportunity. Well, what are we doing? We are thwarting the very plan that God had predestined from the foundations of the world over your life because of our fracture and because of our frailty. So it doesn't even need to be a negative label, but it could be a limiting label. What about if God has got something greater for you, but because you're living up to the expectation of man, you never fulfill the God-given destiny over your life. And this is where the enemy knows what he is doing. And every time a name gets attached to us, somehow we feel ashamed. Isn't that crazy? When my mum said that to me, I felt shame immediately. You see, this is the enemy's currency because what does shame do? It shrivels you up and causes you to shrink back and hide. And this is why words, you know, my son is the most beautiful little boy that you would ever meet. And he's got a loving home that tells him, you're a champion, you're amazing, God's got a destiny for you. But isn't it incredible? It's because the enemy's got a one-size-fit plan for all. He goes to school and now it's his peers telling him he's stupid and he's ugly. Like, I just can't believe it. But you can, because the enemy's so obvious in his way. So Taylor comes home and he's like, Mommy, the kids at school are saying I'm stupid and I'm ugly. And I'm sitting him on my knee going, is there any truth in that? And he has to think for a minute. I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. Uh, how many modelling agencies have headhunted you to want you to be a model? He's like, lots. And how many times have you told me I don't want to be a model because it's, I want to be a science teacher? I'm like, remember that? I said... They don't choose ugly people, right? And, and then and I'm like, you're not stupid. Let's look at your report card. Straight A's. So who's telling the truth and who's speaking the lies? But isn't it amazing that his little heart took on those words immediately? I must be stupid. I must be ugly. Because words have the power of life and death in them. And this is where the enemy will try anything. He will try your family. He will try your school. If he can't get you there, he'll get you here. Because he wants to disarm the very call on your life. Women, he hates you even more. I don't mean, mean to make this about girls right now. But oh, I believe God gave me a revelation about women and why they've been oppressed for so many years. Do you know why women have been oppressed and repressed and and tortured and shut down because we have the ability to carry more image bearers. He hates women. And you see the divide because if he can't abort you, he will try and miscarry you. If he can't miscarry you, he will damage you through sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect, um, all those things because he wants to destroy the nucleus of your DNA and corrupt the story of your destiny. And this is where we cannot let the enemy win because there is an incredible destiny upon each and every one of you that God has planned for your life. See, shame says, I'm bad. 
The minute you have a word thrown on you, you take it on as your identity. It makes you go, I'm, I'm bad. No, what somebody did to you was bad. If you were sexually abused or physically abused, that's not your identity. That's not the label over your life. That was what was done to you in a moment. But, oh, God had other ideas before the foundation of the world, and the enemy just tried to come and short-circuit your destiny, but we cannot allow him because we are tailor-made for a specific purpose that he had in mind eons ago. You are here on purpose. There was a time in my life where I just couldn't resolve. I was like, God, why am I here? I wasn't even wanted. I've got an eating disorder. I'm riddled with pain and uh, just I hate myself. I would pull the hair out of my, the roots of my head and I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, you're, you're ugly. You're unworthy. Who's ever going to love you? Because of everything that I had agreed with the enemy, I just hated myself. I would literally self-torture through words. I then became the label maker over my life. I became the person that spewed out horrible Words and God led me to Psalm 139, verse 14 to 17. And He says, It says this I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. And it dawned on me at that moment. I was like, hold on a minute. My parents had nothing to do with me coming here except the fun part. They didn't, it wasn't up to them to determine my destiny. It wasn't up to them to decide whether they wanted two, three or four children. You had me in mind before the foundations of the world. And you have a book and every single one of my days has been written in them. So I need to discover what's in this book. I need to discover that there is a destiny and a plan for me. And everything changed. Everything changed. And I began to believe that, oh my gosh, I'm here on purpose. I'm here for such a time as this. I'm not letting the enemy take one more day of my life. You shouldn't let him take one more day of yours. And I can confirm that we are supposed to reveal the glory of God in Ephesians 3, verses 10 to 12. It says this, His intent, which is God, was that now through the church, you and I, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ our Lord, in him and through faith in him that we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you realize right now there are 7.5 approximately billion people on this earth? which means there are 7.5 billion facets of the image of God walking the earth. And this is the thing. God has no limit to him. Now, if we are made in his image, 
we are now the manifold wisdom through the church that needs to be revealing the glory of God. When we don't live up to that, it's like a kaleidoscope that has one little piece of it dulled down. And so the world and all the heavenly realms, they don't get to see the full picture of the manifold wisdom of God revealed through his sons and daughters. See, here we are always looking up, God, 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 and God's going, you're my image bearers. This is who you are. Live up to your name. Live up to your destiny. Live up to your DNA. You were created in our image. Now start living like it. And when we don't live according and we don't find out who we are, we don't reveal the fullness of the glory of God on this earth and to all the heavenly realms around us. We've been created with a purpose. God says, I need you to stop listening to what so-and-so said about you and start reading the word and believe who I say you are. And this is where forgiveness comes in because there's parts of our heart that get withheld when we hold those fractures and those woundings and that pain. And for very many years, I lived inside this shell that was Alex, but it wasn't really truly Alex. I couldn't be fully myself. I couldn't live present. I was always shy. If you look at photos of me before freedom, I'm always cowering. I'm never smiling. I'm, I'm such, I'm half the person that I am today. Even though what was wrapped up on the inside of me has always been there. It was just dormant because I chose to believe the lie instead of the truth of what was always meant to be. See, God had attributes inside of me, the way he designed me, the way he, I am with people. Isn't it incredible that ever since I was a little girl, I, doc, people would ask me at the doctors or the teachers, they, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, well, I'm not sure, but I just know I'm called to help people. You can't make that up. That is a DNA, what God was calling me into. See, I don't have a title of pastor I am a pastor because that's actually how God designed me. It's inside. It's my spiritual DNA. Inside of me is to pastor people, to help people. But see, I believed I was unworthy. I was useless. I had nothing to offer. I wasn't smart. I was stupid. I was ugly. So what did that do? It diminished my ability to think outwardly and help people. So guess what? My part of the kaleidoscope dulls down and the enemy doesn't need me to sin. He just needs me to believe the lie. That's all he needs because he says, if I have the people of God actually believe who God says they are, I'm in trouble. But if they agree with what I tell them, I win. And this is why Jesus had to come back and totally take the cross so that he can go, enemy, you are defeated. And now I get to tell my children who they are. See, this is why I love Jesus. Fast forward, and he comes, and he says, Oh, for the joy that was set before me, scorning its shame. Do you know what that means? It means he thought nothing of the shame of the cross when it came to you. A crucifixion is the most shameful way to die during the Roman Empire. It was like today, if we were to wear, you know, here I am wearing a cross with diamonds on it. 
it would like, be like me today wearing a electric chair or a lethal injection. It's shameful. I wouldn't wear that around my neck. We've beautified the cross. We've made it really pretty. But what happened is when they would put criminals on a cross on the, the hill so that everybody could see them, they didn't have them like we see the statues of Jesus with a pretty little loincloth wrapped perfectly in the right position. No, those criminals were completely naked. And they were put on show because people would mock them and throw hurling insults at them and curse them and cuss them out. And that person would feel the incredible shame of being naked on that cross for days because it took days for somebody to asphyxiate and die on a cross. But Jesus said, for the joy that was set before me, scorning its shame, I'm gonna think nothing of the moment that I'm on that cross naked on a hill because I'm taking back what the enemy stole from my children in the garden. And no longer do they have to stay ashamed for any word that gets spoken over their life, but they can stand on the truth that they are free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Come on. Missoula, give me a shout. Salt Lake City, give me a shout. Jackson, give me a shout of praise. Oh, because do you know that the enemy wants to keep us bound with all the labels that have been thrown on us, but we can only believe one name, that we are His beloved, that we were bought with a price, that we are overcomers, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, that we are the head, not the tail, that we are image bearers, that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, and we have a purpose and a destiny on this side of eternity. And God says, you, you, you in Billings, you in Helena, you in Portland. Yes, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right here in this room, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God needs you to be who he made you to be. We're not doing ourselves any favour by thinking less of ourselves. It's not who you are. See, it's not arrogance to know who you are in Christ. But actually, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility because the, <laughs> the people on earth, the sons and daughters, they're groaning. The earth is groaning for the sons and daughters to rise up and actually reveal the glory of God. They're groaning. The world is saying, is he really real? And the way that they're going to see that he's real is through you and through me, living to our fullest potential. And the enemy has no authority because now those labels of unwanted, those labels of stupid, those labels of ugly, those labels of not good enough, those labels of unworthy, they no longer live in my heart. But I sent them back to the pit of hell from where they came from. And I get to live out exactly who God called me to be. In closing, you know, it's uh, interesting that when I was born, my mum tells the story that uh, the OBGYN who delivered me had delivered all of us children and she handed me to my mother. And she said, Lena, 
this one's special. Isn't it incredible that that was actually the first word that was spoken over my life? It was a prophetic declaration, yet the world and the enemy tried to convince me otherwise my whole life. And I spent my childhood and young adulthood trying to find this word special. It's an incredible thought, actually, as I looked back over my life, every time someone would say, you're special, there's something unique about you, you're beautiful, because of the lies that had built this little brick fortress around my heart, all the compliments would ricochet off the wall of my heart. So I couldn't even receive the truth of God's word until I forgave my mum. I didn't even realize that there was a root of unforgiveness And in in fact, there was a root of deep hurt which led to hate towards her. But it wasn't her. See, the enemy loves to divide and conquer. He'll spin the lie through somebody, then cause you to not like them, cause you to distance. He breaks families like this. And so what he does is he dismantles everything that God intended to nurture and grow and flourish so that then we end up hating one another and dispersing throughout the earth full of baggage. Meanwhile, I've got the labels. Meanwhile, my mum's over here in her own baggage and brokenness and no one's getting healed. And I chose to break the cycle in my family line by forgiving. Because I, I remember reading the word one day and I said, but God, it hurts. God, it's not fair. She said all these things and I know she loves me, but yet one, one word that comes out of her mouth is kind and then out of, the, out of the same mouth, it's cutting. And I don't know what to do with it anymore because I feel so broken on the inside. And he showed me a picture of when he stood before Pilate and all the people that were just shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. We want Barabbas free. We don't want Jesus free. And Pilate was like, who are you? And Jesus just kept silent. Jesus didn't defend himself. Jesus didn't, you know, send a legion of angels to defend him. He He surrendered himself to the cross. And when he was hanging on that cross, naked, nails in his hands, thorn on his head, nails in his feet, speared on the side. And he just hangs there and he looks at all the scoffers. And he looks at all the people that are just continually, those that he once healed, those that he loved, those that he he spoke to, those that he sat with and cried with and mourned with and raised people from the dead, the same people. And yet he hung there and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that's when I just literally just went, God, I don't have a right. In fact, the unforgiving poison that I'm wanting to affect my mom is actually killing me. And I need to forgive. And I, if you can forgive me, because I was one of those scoffers and I was one of those people. And you were perfect. You did nothing but good. So if you can forgive me, then I can forgive her. And again, everything changed in my heart. It's like there was a love for her that I had never known before. I began to see her as a little child where she herself was abused. She herself was tormented by words. She herself was broken and fragmented. 
And I began to see her through the loving eyes of Jesus and we began to restore this relationship. And now my mum and I, we are the best of friends. In fact, she is my greatest cheerleader, greatest champion. That's the power. And now I'm living everything that I believe God has said, this is who you are, Alex. This is who you are. You're a peacemaker. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're a pastor. You're a great mother. You're a great wife. You're a great friend. This is who you are. Now go be it to its fullness and let the world see me through you. See, special has several meanings and I actually believe in this place that he wants to put this word specifically upon each and every one of us. Because I did a word search in the Bible to see where the word special is. The word's not actually there, the actual word special. But it comes up with so many scriptures that set us apart and that we're beloved and that we're good and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So, because listen to this, and then I looked up the definition of special. It has several meanings. It means better, greater, otherwise different from what is usual, exceptionally good or precious, belonging specifically to a particular person. That's who you are. You're special. You're special in the eyes of God. And he says, now live up to who I've called you to be. If I could have every eye closed, head bowed. I believe that Jesus wants to come right now to those of you that don't know your Saviour and Lord as Saviour. You just know Jesus perhaps as a historical figure or maybe you've grown up in church your whole life and you've just done it as religious duty. But Jesus is saying, I actually had a plan for you before the foundations of the world and you are not here by accident. You are here on purpose. And I actually have every one of your days written in my book. But in order for you to realise what is in that book, you need to get to know your Creator. You need to get to know the Father in heaven who purposed you to be here. And right now, God is knocking on the door of your heart saying, would you let me in so that I can tell you who you are? So right now, if that is you in this place and you're wanting every label that has been put on you from the enemy eradicated and gone, I'm telling you today that the only way that it can be done is through a relationship with Jesus. Because when you get to know the, the, the designer that designed you to be tailor-made and unique, then and only then will you know what your destiny and purpose is. And so if that's you in this place and everybody watching, every campus represented, I would love for you to just raise your hand as a sign of surrender to Jesus Christ right now and say, yes, Jesus, I need you to come into my life and put me back to that original design that you purposed in the garden for me to be a ruler, to reign in life with you as my father, for you to rewrite my story and actually tell me the truth of who I am, no longer believing the lies of the enemy, that I am unworthy, that I am not good enough, and that I am a sinner. Yes, we are all sinners. The Bible said that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but all we have to do is confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He died for our sins, that He rose again. And the Bible says if we believe in our heart, then He is faithful to forgive us of our sin. 
right now in your heart, just say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I acknowledge my need for you. Forgive me of my sin. I want a relationship with you. I want to know why I'm here. I want to get to you, get to know you as my friend, my saviour and my Lord. Tell me who I am so that I can live my life on purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from our summer reading series. For more content from Fresh Life Church and to stay up to date while you're on summer vacation, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link below.